Welcome to Ixnay, the podcast where we take a deep dive into the shallow end of the electorate as a means to gaming the 2020 election to our advantage. Turn on, tune in, vote out. Hey, all right now. It's been another wild week in the land of the free. Storm Trumpers in the street, dementia tests in vogue, and baseball is back. But with no fans in the stands, are they still playing those walk-up songs? Headline of the week. Polls aren't votes. That's a headline you should hang on to. Polls are not votes. Previously on Ixnay. I, 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 that right there makes me get goosebumps because I wish I could have been there with you. That is amazing. Well, then we could book that. We could book that. I'll be there. It could be Angry Samoans, Bad Religion, and the Bull Wheels. I would do that in a heartbeat. And well, maybe Milo will come there and drink some beer at the bar with us. Yeah, that would be an awesome, you know, post-election party. You know, there you go. I'm, I'm also. Well, we got to make. Right we got to make sure everybody votes yes. before I start booking bands. Yes, voting is super important and, and, and people have to, you can't sit back and look at polls and, and think that, oh, well, everything's okay. I mean, people have to get out and exercise their right to vote. Just like people have been exercising their First Amendment right to speak, you know, you gotta go to the polls and let everybody know this is what you want um, to change. And there are many people that are out there saying, but I, I can't vote because it's not Bernie, it's not this. It's like, no, you're, you're voting once again to try and stop the boat from sinking. And then you have to start riding the boat at that point. That was Dr. Daryl Wilson talking about a dream punk rock lineup of his band, The Bow Weevils, with The Angry Samoans, Bad Religion, and The Descendants. Classic rock, The Vote. We know that as a kid, Donald Trump, like me, was infatuated with con men. His huckster of choice was, of course, Norman Vincent Peale, whose main thing was, facts don't matter. It's what you think about facts that matter. Essentially a harebrained version of positive thinking crossed with trickle-down metaphysics. So when I read that Trump had cooked up this urban legend business with his general bar, I thought, what fresh hell is this? A nationwide rollout of stormtrumpers to American cities whose governance hasn't been sufficiently nice to the executive? I mean, that's what he said. They aren't friendly enough. The facts here, however, leave little doubt that the ultimate goal of Trump and company is to constrain civic mechanisms. By tweaking what they want you to believe are the facts, they are claiming a right, not in the Constitution, to override local authorities and perhaps set a precedent to interfere in the election. Yeah, that's what I'm screaming. Even if you think I'm being overdramatic, you should run, write, call your congresspeople. This isn't a point I make nearly enough. Your elected officials are prepared to bow down to you. Seriously, they will flinch if you call. They can't really ignore constituents, so you effectively have a Willy Wonka-style golden ticket good for their attention. Call them. Bother them. Remind them who the fuck you are. They owe their very existence to you. And that's what I think about facts, Mr. Norman Vincent Peale. Today's interview with the tremendous Mr. Tim Miller, who writes for The Bulwark and runs the Republican Voters Against Trump initiative, offers a peek at political science you probably haven't encountered anywhere else. Plus, we have a fabulous scene report from glamorous Southern California. 
But first, a lot is happening with Ixnay. Our membership drive has been an unexpected success, and in breaking news, we have two exciting partnerships to announce. Now, it must be said up front that none of this would be possible without you, the overly generous people who believe there's room to put some fun back in American politics while simultaneously working seriously to extract Donald Trump from the presidency. So thank you for helping us. Number one on the good news list, Obsolete Industries in Austin, Texas is now the official screen printer of Ixnay. So if you want to buy posters in person, road trip to Austin, Texas and pop in on the talented Mr. Billy Bishop. Just go to the Obsolete Industries Instagram feed for more information. And if you prefer getting your Ixnay posters in the mail, call me. I love to talk on the phone. Number two, I'm happy to announce that the rumor is true and that we will be live streaming our election night party nationwide with the great Jonathan Tobin DJ. Most of you who know me know that Tobin and I DJ together at the University of Texas in college, and I assure you he is the very definition of party. Stay tuned for the specifics, but it's our aim to make your party planning for November 3rd significantly less complicated. Enough with the hogwash, let's get to it. Tim Miller, hello, and Ixnay. Hello, Trace. It's good to be with you. Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure to have you. Uh, I'd just start with like saying, well, we come kind of from two different political paths. We've kind of arrived at the same place where we're hustling for Joe Biden, really only because we're disdainful of Donald Trump. And uh, despite you being a Republican and me not being a Republican, we've both been never Trumpers for about the same amount of time. And today I'd like to talk about your effort, which I find most interesting, which is this Republican Voters Against Trump initiative. What is it specifically and what are you guys looking to accomplish? Yeah, I was the OG, one of the OG Never Trumpers. I mean, yeah, this, uh, I know it's, this is why sometimes it's hard for me and why I had to leave doing Republican uh, politics, doing strategic advice for people in Republican campaigns, because uh, he is just so um, unacceptable on every imaginable level that it's hard for me to even get my head into a place of how to advise people on how to, <laughs> how to deal with him. Um, and so I, I stepped away from that for a while, but we, we launched this Republican voters against Trump, um, with a couple, uh, with Sarah Longwell, who's an old friend of mine and, and Bill Crystal, who was running the weekly standard before it got shuttered for not being Trumpy enough. Um, and, and basically uh, spent three years doing research on these Trump voters, trying to understand it, being like, we missed this. What did we miss? And so we, we did focus groups with, with people that voted for Donald Trump, but said that they give him a somewhat or very poor grade on how he's done as president. And we tried to understand those people and what could get them to vote for Biden and how we can get out of this nightmare. And, and what we learned from that is, is a lot of things, but, but in particular with regards to this project, is that these voters... Um, uh, weren't persuaded by finger wagging from DC. They just weren't. Um, they weren't. They 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 almost got offended when when people uh, you know were condescending and attacking attacking Trump with hyperbole. Uh, but what did work? What did get them to listen was hearing from other people like them who were conflicted about this. Uh, what did you know? They they were willing to open their ears um, and 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 you know consider. Um, the different arguments uh, uh, when, when hearing from people that they were comfortable with, peers, people in their community. 
And um, in addition to that, we learned that a lot of these people really wanted to be against Trump and just needed that nudge. But in their social group, it was like almost not okay, right? Because all their family, all their friends were so rapidly for him. And it was nothing like, you know, their friends and family probably liked Bush, but there was, it was not, you know, the hats and the (laughs) boats and all this. And so (laughs) by creating a community, um, uh, by letting them hear other people like them, uh, we figured that was the best way to help nudge people towards Joe Biden and and help kind of get rid of this guy. And so that's how we launched this. And you can go see now we have over 500 of these videos on rvat.org or or republicanvotersagainsttrump.org. Yeah, fabulous. So, well, let me ask you this. We talk about swing voters. Originally, one of our ideas, could America be in better hands? That was literally our question that you could ask Republicans. Couldn't it just be better? Couldn't you just admit that things could be running a little more smoothly? But people are kind of so embedded with where they are, they didn't really, they didn't really get the questions. Like, so is there, <laughs> I mean, I guess the question is, is there some data suggesting that swing voters can be lured to our side? Yeah, this is like the biggest conventional wisdom myth in politics right now. And, and what has happened basically is that Bush and Obama and Trump successively ran campaigns that were mostly what you call base campaigns, right? Increasing turnout among base voters. And so that has created this this conventional wisdom that like swing voters don't really exist anymore, like playing to the middle, that's for another era. Back in the 80s and 90s they did that and now the play is to go to the base. And 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 while that's true in a sense that that's been successful, the, those candidates all in their own ways appealed to the middle and appealed to swing voters. And they just might not have been the types of swing voters you were thinking about when you thought about them in your head, right? And so with Trump, it was blue-collar white guys, union guys that used to be Democrats. They ended up swinging over to Trump, right? Um, and, and, and so what is that community now? Um, you know, everybody acts like we're so polarized, these people don't exist. That's not true. There is uh, blue-collar women is one of these groups, right? The wives of these unions guys okay a lot of them went on went along with this last time um with doubts and reservations and 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 they're feeling now even even greater doubts and reservations they can be nudged uh, we're talking about traditionally republican college educated chamber of commerce types in the suburbs right um you know in the big cities in new york where we live new york and oakland and dc a lot of these folks moved last time they voted for hillary but in places like milwaukee like the college educated chamber of commerce guy living in the suburbs he he held his nose and went with donald trump last time you know and and that person can be um, can be uh, uh, won over this time. So it does. And, and when we look at the data, again, it's not this huge part of the electorate, but, it, but let's say, I, I think it's legitimately about 8% of the electorate. And so let's say you move that, you know, you get, you get half of that, a move at 4%. And, and that's the difference between Hillary winning by two points and losing the Electoral College and, and Biden winning by six points in a landslide that we haven't seen since Reagan 84, Right. That's important. Uh, and so these people do exist. There aren't, maybe aren't as many as there were back in the 90s um, when the parties were a little closer together, but they do exist and they can be reached. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, well, so obviously we're in agreement that the swing state voters are out there. They can be reached. Swing states are going to be critical to this whole thing. But I guess maybe the sexier question, is there some Republican who, if he or she was to step up 
could really scuttle Trump's support among middle of the road voters. Now, let me add that I think that there's one perfect public person in my mind. And I'm just curious if you have like just a pie in the sky person who might be like, yeah, that would be really helpful. Um, I don't I don't know that you're going to like my answer. I, I, I don't I don't I think the answer is no. I, I think the answer is like a Fox News personality mm-hmm. would honestly be the most useful um, uh, thing. Uh, to, but I think that's a fantasy land. I, I don't know that an elected official or a former elected official will be there. I'm going to guess that your answer is W. No, um, but you're right? close. You're, you're close. No, I think his wife. Okay, who are you I think if I think if Laura, Laura. Bush, I think if yeah. Laura Bush was to step up, especially in Texas, that hey, look, she's she's thoughtful. She's conservative. She people, the women of Texas respect her. I think that that could sway things in Texas, maybe not nationally, but she's, you know, W has his own baggage. But I think people do like her. Uh, people do like her. Uh, and, and, I, I, and I certainly would not argue that it's going to hurt for it would hurt for Laura to do this. It's just what we hear is the types of people that went for Trump last time are pretty anti-elite. You know, yeah, uh, they were pretty much going against the Bush Clinton kind of uh, dynastic elements. And so I, I just don't know that's going to be helpful. Um, again, I'd take it. Uh, I love W. Obviously, I was Jeb's communications director. Uh, Jeb is the is the, my favorite person I've ever worked for by a, by a country mile. So I would love for them to do it. Um, you know, they have the Jeb's son and W's nephew is an elected official who's unfortunately a Trumper in Texas, which is uh, a separate bag of worms to get into another time. But uh, so I think that's one thing holding them back. Yeah, the people who hate the elites, those hardcore Trump, I don't know if you can move them ever. And one of the yeah, things that true. I've never heard anyone talk about that I think that you probably have some pretty insight of, it feels to me like a lot of MAGA voters were like first time voters or the people at the rallies. Like this is the first politician that they ever kind of fell in love with because people like you or me who paid attention know everybody has some foibles or some warts and things and you're used to that kind of stuff but they seem to they like that he has failings and i don't know how you can outfox that yeah no there i mean he is a group of people that are immovable and i did i did an article for rolling stone a couple weeks ago where i asked a bunch of republican consultants to just talk honestly off i wouldn't use their name about why their campaigns aren't trying to distance from Trump a little more. And one thing I learned was that, you know, if you look at the uh, intensity, one of the one of the consultants, a really smart guy, um, said to me that if you look at the intensity of, of Trump support among the core base of Republican Party activists um, and among the new the new Trump base. Right. So these aren't necessarily traditional Republican parties, but the new base of the party, which is some of these new people you're talking about, plus some of the kind of Tea Party types. He's more popular with them than any president Republican president has ever been in history, like going back to the beginning of polling. Um, and so, yeah, there's a group of people that's not movable. There's a new group of people that's coming to the party, absolutely. This is the thing that makes me the most pessimistic about the future of the party, even if we are successful in our effort this year, is that the party really has changed. Like there are these new people that have come in. Some of them used to be Democrats, like the union guys that I was talking about. Some of them are the people you're talking about that maybe they were disenfranchised from politics. Maybe they're Perot voters if they're older. Uh, if they're younger, they've never liked anybody really. And, and this is new. They're new into the po- political process. These people have come into the party. And then a lot of kind of the more moderate college educated 
Republicans have left the party. And so that what's going to what Trump is going to leave, even if he loses, is a party that the makeup of the party has changed quite a bit in a way that's you know not that amenable to 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 what I'm looking for in a party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I could. Well, then maybe we should back up a little bit about your bio. I mentioned that we've taken sure. separate paths and it's like, how did you come from being at least a younger Republican to now living on the left coast and being a Biden supporter? Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, look, I was always one of the more, it's funny, the, the never Trump Republicans are kind of like, it's the horseshoe theory of politics. We're both on the edges. I was always one of the more moderate Republicans all, uh, you know, throughout my life. I worked for John Huntsman and John McCain and these types. Uh, there's another side on the other end of the horseshoe of the like evangelical multi times a week church going Republicans that don't like him for, you know, uh, uh, religious reasons or principled reasons. And so like some of the Cruz people, for example. And so now we have this weird coalition of anti-Trump Republicans out on the, out on the extremes of the party, but um, uh, ideologically, but yeah, I, I, I was a campaign gypsy. I was born in Colorado or I was born in St. Louis, but I grew up in, in Denver. And um, when I was 16, started volunteering for a guy running for governor uh, who was a friend of my neighbor. And, uh, and I just got hooked and addicted and he won, he won uh, the governor's race in a very close race. Uh, his name is Bill Owens. And uh, ended up running the Republican Governors Association. And so I went and interned there when I was in college and went around the country and did a bunch of campaigns in Virginia and Delaware and Iowa. Worked for, as I said, McCain and, and Huntsman and Romney uh, and uh, the Republican National Committee for uh, for Sean Spicer and, and Reince Priebus were my bosses at the oh, Republican wow. National Committee. You might have heard of those folks. So we, yeah, we went sure. different. We went well, that wasn't that long ago, right? No, no, it wasn't. I mean... Not Sean. Sean was always going to go along with whoever, but Reince uh, was, uh, I mean, essentially agreed with me about Trump, you know, up until the moment that we kind of had the split. And like he just sort of was stuck as the chair and went along with it. And then, you know, you get sucked in the vortex. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I was there at the at the party and then went to do jab. Um, and uh, and yeah, two days after Jeb dropped out, I got a call from a group that was doing a try to stop Trump effort that was kind of too late, oh, wow. honestly, they didn't put together. Yeah. Um, but they asked me to be their spokesperson. And, uh, and I jumped on that. I just, it seemed like a no brainer to me. I had some people tell me that was a bad idea because I might have my political career ruined. Right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess they had a point turned out. <laughs> um, I never thought he, he had a chance to win, to be honest. So I, oh, I was blinded by my no own bubble did. a little bit anyway. Uh, so yeah, so then I, I joined that group and, um, and basically have been, you know, a never Trumper uh, ever since. Now's the time of the show where we talk about sponsors. Almost every podcast has a moment where they ask supporters for donations, sometimes via a subscription service like Patreon. But you know, we're not just a podcast, we're a super pack. So, well, maybe just play it. That's a little something we like to call backmasking for dollars. Now you'll never be able to tell, but it's a fundraising message in reverse designed to subliminally encourage whoever hears it to send money to Ixnay. Can you hear it one more time? Now I know what you're thinking. Subconscious messages? What the hell? I saw HBO's Watchmen. But we're only using rock and roll style backmasking as a way to raise money. We're not Satanists after all. The beauty of this scheme is that we can play the message from time to time, and you won't even be bothered to notice that we're begging, well, maybe more like persuading you to give us money. I think you'll agree that as a fundraising strategy, that's pretty cool. 
less intrusive, and even less demanding of your conscious yet receptive mind. So just relax and let us ixnay your troubles away while you donate early and often, even if you don't know why. Well, to that end, I imagine that you've received some kind of less than loving criticism along the way. Yeah, a funny story. In, in 2004, when W was running against John Kerry, I talked to my mom and my mom was in mm -hmm. Houston and I was trying to convince her not to vote for W, you know, and I said, listen, mom, the president just has to be smarter than me. Now, most moms would have said something like, oh, come on, Trace, no president will ever be smarter than you. No, she said, Trace, you're an idiot. So <laughs> I'm just curious, like, because you've done this Trump thing of like people who are close to you not understood where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, for sure. I, uh, um, you know, I think we, uh, I've I had a lot of friends, obviously, in Republican Party politics. And um, I, I don't think that there was an appreciation for how passionate I was about this among that crowd. Um, you know, I think a lot of them saw themselves as kind of operators within the party. And, um, you know, I, I saw myself kind of moving from that role as an operator within the party to, um, to being an advocate, really, and to somebody that, you know, this is just, this is gone too far. Like, this is wrong. Like, what is happening right now is wrong. And when we need to stay, stand up to it and say something. And, and so, you know, my advocacy very harshly <laughs> uh, commented on the people that were going along with it. And so that did create um, a, a, a good amount of tension uh, with people that I had been friends with um, in, in Republican politics. I've, I lost some friends over it. I got married about a year to year and a half after the campaign. And there were definitely people that didn't show up to my wedding because of our estrangement over Donald Trump. Uh, but I just, I didn't see any, any other options. So um you know, I think and certainly that is true of all of us in our families. I mean, my grandmother, sure. for example, was the most, the person that got me into politics the most, you know, and we would used to, we'd spar and fight about politics. And, uh, you know, it was just last Christmas. I was like, are you still with this guy? And she said, yes. And I was, I was like, would you even have him over to dinner? Like, would you let this man in your house? Like, how can you want him to be the president? And I know. Um, uh, you know, so I think that those are two different things. I mean, I'm a little more forgiving of people who aren't in politics. I, I think some people have honestly been, been brainwashed by Fox and, and by, um, by the, you know, kind of conservative media ecosystem. Um, but I, I also think that there are people that knew better that went along with it. And that's yeah. been a tough thing to bridge. Yeah. It's, it's, str it's strange because he's so surreal, right? It, like you say, just as a person, you're like, yeah, I wouldn't trust this guy. He lies all the time. He cheats on his wife with porn stars. There's nothing about him that most of us are like, well, at least he's a good guy. We can look aside his politics. And he doesn't even have politics. He has no redeemable character traits. I mean, None. one game I would play with my friends is I would say, name one thing about Donald Trump that you would tell your child that you wish that they would emulate <laughs> anything. <laughs> name one, one character trait, one thing. And it was, that's, it was a very hard thing for people to answer. You know, I mean, a lot of I times bet. they fall back on the fact that he, well, he's a good parent. And I'm like, really? Oh. I, I mean, are you sure about that? Uh, you know, you, you're aware that he was cheating on his wife while Ivanka was in high school and he would call the, uh, the, the uh, New York Post under a fake name to yeah. brag about how good the sex he was giving to his mistresses was. And it would show up on the front page of the tabloids. And, and that would be like Ivanka would 
see those tabloids on their on her way to school i mean i guess obviously they've got no for that but so he must be doing something right but like uh, you know the, the good parent thing i i i don't know I'm yeah, not sure no true. no he is not a good parent it's funny that like he had that john Barron that fake alter ego yeah. navarro has his ron vera fake ego it's such a we- it's all so weird that it, it's hard for me to well, believe. it's self-obsessed I, mean, I, I guess if you I mean, my feeling has always been if you're making like you know, $500,000 a year and you're voting because taxes and things, I can kind of get it. But most everybody else, I'm like, he's just not a good person. That aside. Look, every congr- what I noticed is every congressional Republican up for re-election this year voted to acquit Trump on impeachment charges. Would that be a deal breaker for you? I mean, if you were, if that was someone that you were voting for, I assume they're not in California, but someone who yeah. didn't vote to acquit him, would you then at least question your support of them? For sure. I mean, for sure. I, I don't, I, I put it this way. I understand, you know, people in my vote in the kind of anti-Trump Republican vote, they're kind of two camps. And I sort of feel like I straddled them. Like on one side, there's the Lincoln Project view, which is like, yeah. burn the house down. All these guys got to go. And I totally sympathize with that. And I mean, I think the other view is you want to keep some of the more moderate candidates in the party or else, you know, if they get totally wiped out, then the part, then the future of the party is going to be all these kind of radical, um, you know, nationalist populist types. And I, I get that. The problem is, though, most of those candidates, the so-called moderates, the, the Cory Gardner's and the Susan Collins's of the world haven't done a whole lot to stand up to Donald Trump. And so when I, as I look at it, um, you know, if you think that Donald Trump should be reelected for another four years as the president, uh, that shows a very, uh, uh, that tells me something is very wrong with your judgment. <laughs> I mean, I, I can disagree with somebody on an issue and support them for office, but if your judgment is so poor that you want to roll the dice on another four years of Donald Trump as president, I, I just don't see how I can support somebody that has done that. that that's, that's a litmus test for me. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. So um, if Trump loses, do you have any guess on wh- how the party is going to reconstitute itself or who a potential leader will be? Will it be someone really fringy Trump-like or will it swing back to the middle a little bit? Yeah, um, I don't think that there's any chance for a Tim Miller type to take back over the party. Uh, you know, Bill Crystal wrote about this for the Bulwark. I think that we need to come to terms with the fact that, that for the party to be reconstituted, it's going to have to be reconstituted with somebody that was complicit. I don't like that, but I just think that's reality. And so within that reality, I think that there's three options from okay to bad to, to well, you know, horrifying. The okay option is like a Nikki Haley. Uh, somebody yeah, who is sure. pretty pr- pretty much uh, in the center of what the party used to be, still believes in you know kind of a, a, a global view of the of the country, is a global leader, is not a protectionist, is not a nativist. Um, I think that that's I think that I don't I wouldn't put my money on her, but I, that that's one option. I think that there's this fusion option, which is what Josh Hawley and um, and, and Tom Cotton are trying to do. And I think that's bad and scary, um, which is kind of fusing the nationalist and the anti-immigrant elements of Trump uh, with some of the more traditional Republican stuff. And then I think there is the full Trump 2.0, which is which literally could be Trump again, right? He could lose and run again. That's allowed oh. in our system. Um, his kid could run or like a Tucker Carlson could run. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I, I think that those are kind of the options. None of them, none of them make me too, too jazzed, to be honest. 
I know. It really is an insane time. I mean, I can't imagine it ever being really much crazier than this. Here's a question about something that's happening right now and just news happened today. I mean, how should traditional Republicans feel about this deployment of, you know, for lack of a better word, storm trumpers, and now the DOJ's Operation Legend business? I mean, I assume that Tom Cotton and Hawley are behind this kind of thing, but it just seems so crazy. We just got through talking about how states should be able to make a decision about the coronavirus, and now we're back saying these states don't know what they're doing. Um. Yeah. And it's surprising to me that you don't, not sound surprising, but it's telling that you don't hear too much out of a so-called libertarian Tea Party wing that was supposedly coming in in 2010 with all these concerns about Obama's infringement on local authorities and on big federal government overreach. And I don't know if any of your listeners remember the Jade Helm scandal where there's this imaginary secret Obama police force. It's like, the, the imaginary Jane Helm scandal is happening in Portland. Like it's yeah. really happening. And, and you don't hear much from any of these folks. Um, and, uh, you know, look, I, again, I think that um, I think there are a lot of people in the Nikki Haley camp in the, in the Senate who are just keeping their mouths shut, but that doesn't, uh, you know, that's not doing any good. And, and it is, it is astonishing to me um, that, that this is, is going on without any, any internal dissent. Um, I'll say this, the good news is um, that it's a political loser. Um, it has not been, been effective for Trump. And we see in the polls and in our focus groups with the Republican voters against Trump that his response to the protests is universally reviled among even people that voted for him. Um, and, and, you know, besides the hardcore base and they, uh, they think that they don't think that Donald Trump's protecting them from chaos. They think he's, he is the chaos. Um, and, and so, uh, that I guess is somewhat goodness. Well, obviously you're a sharp thinker. Do you have any advice for the Biden campaign? They're running a great campaign and they're not getting enough credit for it. They're running a fantastic campaign, and um, they uh, uh, Biden should be doing less, not more. A lot of people have been giving him bad advice, which was to do more and get out there more. He does not need to. Donald's VP pick, um, and and that they should honestly keep doing what they're doing. I, I don't. I do not need to be a peanut gallery on the campaign because they have they've navigated this uh, very well. And obviously, I think that the environment can change and maybe their tactics have to change when it comes to the fall. But, uh, but for now, uh, they're in good shape. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy with that. I'm happy to see him out there every now and again putting out some positions. It seems like a kind of an influence of Elizabeth Warren or something. He's out there coming out with like real data of what he plans to do. One of my concerns a little bit is that whenever he has these kind of press conferences with two teleprompters, you know, where they're pretending like there's a big crowd there and you see him turning back and forth 45 degrees to look at the prompter and you can see his brain kind of going, it's not easy to read from a teleprompter, to be clear. And he keeps having to switch back and forth. And because there's no sound with no one there, it's like watching sports with nobody in the stadium, you can see Joe Biden kind of having to refocus every time. And that and that little bit looks like his brain is a little foggy. I think he should just be looking direct to camera. If I was in charge of his thing, I'd have him build a desk that looks like the Oval Office and just sit there and talk straight to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good advice. I remember we, um, 
we changed for Jeb's announcement speech from the two prompter uh, um, view to having one big prompter in the middle um, that he uh-huh. looked at to deal with that. Um, yeah. It looks a little weird in the audience uh, because people could see it, uh, but um, but it made his pr- presentation better and look better on TV. So I think that's right. I mean, you know, look, Joe Biden is Joe Biden. Like he's going to make yeah. gaffes, you know, and he's going to, yeah. and he, and he, I don't think it is, you know, anybody needs to be afraid to say that like he has like lost a half a step. He just has. Yeah. I mean, he, okay. you know, like that, like uh, he, uh, this is not as if like he has dementia or mental acuity problems. He, he is more than capable of, of, of uh, doing the duties of the job. But when it comes to kind of the quick thinking, you know, back and forth, repartee that comes from like these debate segments like that's not going to be his strength right now it wasn't really his strength when he was <laughs> in his 30s or 40s when he was even running you know? early on I mean, yeah. biden was always susceptible to gas when he was when he was speaking off the cuff right yeah. um and so you know i, I just I, I don't think that he needs to be put in those situations unnecessarily at this point I mean, but i do think that people people really like biden uh, because he seems like a real human being. And, and like I said before, maybe that's why some of the reasons that people like Trump, because he's just such a dope. People are like, yeah, I know dopes like that. Anyway, uh, anyway, we'll, so we'll get you out of here on this one. Tim Miller, if you could ask a single question at a White House press briefing, what would you ask? You're asking this because of my snarky tweet yesterday where I made fun of the press corps for asking such terrible questions of him during the, uh, during the virus. Um, I think about this a lot and I have a lot of good ones. I used to have a friend in the press corps that would, that would ask me for advice, um, which I enjoyed, uh, but I, I don't have that person anymore. Um, but um, uh, I would probably ask him right now with the virus, like what I would have asked him yesterday is how many uh, families have, have, uh, have lost somebody to the coronavirus, as he called. Because I, I think the answer is zero. I'm pretty yeah. certain right. the answer is zero. And watching him lie about that, and I think show his lack of humanity uh, with regards to the virus. Um, is is somewhere that I can go. I mean, the other the other th- thing, the question that I like to to go to is 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 go back to things from the past. Like he's very he's very you know he's like watches all this cable. You know, so his mind is like, he's like a lizard brain for like what the right thing to say is about whatever the cable news folks are saying in that cycle. And so to get him out of that, the best thing to do is to ask about something from like three weeks ago, um, you know, five weeks ago. And so, you know, like, for example, with the virus, I mean, he said that the churches were going to be open in Easter and that we were going to be yeah. celebrating. Um you know, I, I would ask him why. Does he think the churches should be open now? Like, why aren't we? Why are we not? Why were we not celebrating? Why were the churches not packed? Was that a mistake? Um, I, I think that going back to things like that force him because he doesn't like to admit wrongdoing. He doesn't like to admit change. So you really can back him into a corner um, pressing things like that. And so, uh, so that's that's probably what I do. Though uh, there's, you know, if I was a reporter, if I was just me, I might just ask him something meaner than that. But maybe that's for another day. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much for your time, Tim. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything we didn't talk about or anything you want to say? Man, no, that's great. I just, I'm grateful for what you guys are doing. I encourage folks to read The Bulwark. Um, it's been a labor of love. And, um, and, and honestly, these videos on Republican Voters Against Trump org. I, I, some of them are just so moving. You know, we had this veteran yesterday who had voted for Trump last time, and you could just feel his regret 
and he was getting emotional talking about it. Um, and so, you know, go, go to the site, watch some of these testimonials, pick some of your favorites, post it to your, uh, you know, MAGA uncle's Facebook page, uh, stir the pot a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and that, that, that is helpful. Like we're trying to get these videos around and it's been amazing. Obviously we're spending a lot of money on them, uh, to promote them, but we haven't spent any money on, on YouTube and, and we've already had 18 million views of these different um, yeah. testimonials on YouTube just because they're resonating with people and people are sharing them. So I'd ask for you guys to do that too and listeners and, and appreciate it. Goodbye, Tim Miller. For a limited time, we're inviting Americans of strong moral fiber to participate in our Slap 'em Up sticker campaign. For five bucks, we'll send you a pack of Ixnay's classic anti-Trump stickers guaranteed to help you win friends and influence people. You see, around the country, people are stressed out by the current political climate, and we found that peeling the back from these stickers is a kind of self-care. And when followed by boldly or even clandestinely applying them in fun places, a lift of spirit is guaranteed. And that's what I think we all need, a recharge of spirit. America was founded by rabble-rousers protesting reactionary pressure. Think of applying these stickers as a tribute to that revolutionary fervor. So go to ixnapack.org to order your stickers and slap them up, America. It's fun. It's provocative. It's pig Latin. And now to the phone. The opinions expressed on the Ixnay hotline do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this podcast or our sponsors. Hey, Ixnay, it's Chloe Newsom. Your voicemail is fucking weird. Um, just wanted to give you guys an update from California. It sucks here, just like it sucks everywhere else, but especially here. Um, it's all sunny and nice outside. It's not weird, like on the East Coast, where it sometimes is like stormy. I don't know. I'm like half a bottle of wine deep because it's Friday. Not that days matter. Um, but more people are hospitalized here. It feels like every day than anywhere else. It's a fucking nightmare. Um, and we have legit the most responsible governor you could possibly imagine. I'm not just saying that because of my last name. But um, he is a caring, compassionate human being, <laughs> and he's trying to abide by everything and also listen to his constituents. And ultimately, it's tough because people don't want to wear masks, which blows my fucking mind. And that's a unique thing about the West Coast because I never saw this coming. Like, I never saw the dramatic differentiation between Orange County Republicans and East Coast Republicans more than I see it now where Orange County Republicans feel like because it's sunny outside, they're more liberated to doing whatever they want because they chose to live in a sunny state. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the logic of saying I shouldn't wear a mask to protect myself and other people. I mean, I think it's batshit insanity overall. But anyways, um, Chloe Newsom reporting live from California. Love you guys. Thanks for the best. Can't wait to get 45 out of office. And really can't wait until I can leave my fucking house.
in general without total fear that I will be infecting myself and everyone that I love, including you guys. Okay, XOXO forever. Gossip Chloe. To wrap things up, if you would kindly follow Ixnate Pack on the Twitter, on the Facebook, and on the Instagram, it would be a great service to the cause. Our cause, your cause, all of mankind's cause. And get your Ixnay membership cards while they're hot. They're not much more than bragging rights, but I do think you could walk up to your favorite bartender or restaurateur and say, I'd like the Ixnay special. No matter how they respond, just tell them the Ixnay special is anything on the menu, but it only costs $2. Confidence, comrades. Confidence. So thanks again for everything. And if you're out on your bike tonight, don't forget. The nature of your oppression is the aesthetic of our anger. Ixnay.